Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together, verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. We are in a fascinating chapter of Daniel. It is in the book of Daniel. This uh, this area um, where it's in the it's in the time of Belshazzar. This is a kind of a grandson uh, king of Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel's sort of uh, not really uh, in the inner circle anymore. Um, Belshazzar is not a very smart, very wise uh, king, so he doesn't really listen to, to Daniel. Daniel is doing his own thing. And uh, he's probably studying and, and praying and asking God for wisdom. And at some point, we get this vision of a dream. And this uh, dream is of uh, these kingdoms. And it kind of correlates to Nebuchadnezzar's dream of this great statue with a head of gold, a chest of silver, waist of bronze, and legs and feet of iron. And, of course, the first uh, head that was Babylon, that was King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Then the uh, chest was Media Persia, um, and then the uh, the uh, the waist, which was uh, the bronze, that was Greece, um, and then Rome. Uh, the legs and the feet were sort of Rome. Now these are kingdoms that are are um, not known to to Daniel. Daniel doesn't know uh, these kingdoms are you know who they are but we can decipher them and that's what we've done the last two or three sections is we've gone through and how history points out to these kingdoms it's very it's just amazing how history um is uh with the bible just completely uh corroborates uh human history <clears throat> now this fourth kingdom <clears throat> that we are saying um was made of iron um, had ten toes, and these toes, the feet and toes were made of clay. So a very um, bad mixture if it wants to stay together. So so this kingdom starts off uh, solid, but then it just um, it denatures into something that can't stay together. And that's as McGee has been pointing out the last few studies that that the Roman Empire was once was once the biggest empire of all the known world of all these kingdoms it was the roman empire that encompassed the whole mediterranean all these surrounding areas goes into asia goes into africa uh, reaches as far as you know what is now you know through um western europe eastern europe all the way to, over to great britain where that is the extent of the roman empire is tremendous and then when these people come in 
and the Roman Empire kind of fractionates, all this intermarriage and all these other things would happen. And then from there, um, people go from all corners of the world. And so the influence of the Roman Empire, even today, has its influence all around the world. And so even today, God's um, this picture of this last empire still stands because God's word is saying that it would not stay together. It would be mixed. It would be mixed amongst, uh, you know, other peoples and things. And so it's not the solid iron legged um, kingdom it started out uh, as. And McGee points out that he feels, you know, that we are in this last kingdom still because this last kingdom is the last kingdom that will be there on earth until the final kingdom of Jesus Christ uh, is established. So that's the historical perspective. Let's take up in uh, where we left off verse 7 in chapter 7. After this, I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. Okay, very powerful, even more powerful than all these other all these other um, kingdoms. <clears throat> it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now these ten horns could be referencing to, you know, superpowers today. These are superpowers that have come about major worldly powers that are are coming out of this this uh, this final kingdom <clears throat> but no no superpower will ever take over the world and have this big massive worldly empire like the first three kingdoms did like Babylon did the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, these first, I guess, first four kingdoms. <clears throat> so out of this fourth kingdom of the Roman Empire are just going to be um, smaller powers, smaller worldly powers that are still going to be making war with one another. But it's n- nobody's ever going to control the world like like these other powers did. Okay, and that's why the Roman Empire, uh, this final kingdom, had a mixture of clay and iron. It just couldn't hold together. So Rome was never conquered by anybody. There was no power greater than Rome. It just fell apart. And so, interesting there. Uh, So these ten horns, these ten other powers that are going to come about, we could be in that time now, but we don't know how long this is going to last, and we don't know all the extent of all these powers, all these countries and all these superpowers are going to come about. Verse 8, I considered the horns, and behold, there came, and so it had ten horns too. It had ten toes, ten horns. So uh, again, from all this uh, diversiveness, these are going to be, I think, references to different powers. And so... um, And then there came up from them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like a man, eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. 
Okay? So this little horn, we don't know. Some people have called this the Antichrist. Some people have called this other things. But, but we'll just continue with the dream right now, and uh, we'll get to the interpretation of the dream as we go on. But there's this uh, little horn was speaking. Uh, verse 9 as I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. Now we're shifting from uh, this beast to the thrones placed, and the Ancient of Days is re- referring to God, God himself. <clears throat> his clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. Okay, so this is like referencing Revelations 4 and Revelations 5. It's talking about what it's like in the judgment. You know, so Daniel is going there. Daniel's dream is talking about world history. And then at the end of all these kingdoms, especially the fourth kingdom, then God is going to sit in judgment. Verse 11, I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burnt with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So, in other words, this last great beast um, was killed. Maybe this horn was speaking. Okay, maybe this was the little horn that was speaking. Okay, and the beast was killed. And it might be the great words that the horn, the horn of God was speaking, which was just the word of God. And with just a word, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burnt with fire. So maybe this is Satan. You know, maybe this little horn was Satan with just a word or just a word, the Antichrist or whatever. It's the beast was killed. And then the rest of these uh, beasts... Um, you know, as opposed, you know, like these, um, it says the beast, that would be, you know, the Babylonian, the Persian, the, the Greek, those are supposed to be the rest of these beasts, or maybe it has to do with, uh, some of these beasts in this fourth beast, you know, these other horns, these other powers, maybe they're supposed to stay around a while, but it's this beast Maybe it's the little horn that's completely destroyed. So we'll we'll get into this as we go into this in terms of the interpretation. But in any event, this beast was destroyed. And then for a little while, as it says in verse 12, their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Now, McGee seems to think that once you have uh, the rapture of the church um, taken away and Satan gets destroyed, Satan at some point gets destroyed. You have this time of great tribulation. You know, uh, maybe that's what their lives were being prolonged for a little bit longer. So that God gives a little bit more time for even the people who haven't accepted him to accept him. Uh, But we'll see. Verse 13. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one 
like a son of man. In other words, he looked like a, a person. He looked like a human. And he came to the Ancient of Days. In other words, he's coming up to God, sitting on the throne, and was presented before him. Okay? So this looks like the coming of Jesus Christ. I'll read to you a couple of uh, things from my study Bible uh, about this particular um, verse uh, in um, that um, Jesus here, uh, this reference to the Son of Man being Jesus um, would seem like this is Jesus because no creature, no, no, no created, created person would have the right to rule the world. So Jesus here claims he would fulfill this role back in Mark chapter 14, verse 16, uh, verse 61 through 62. So he ultimately wants to fulfill this because he refers himself to himself as the Son of Man <clears throat> more than any other title on himself. He always called himself the Son of Man. Now that was a title that people would give to somebody, you know, born of man. But also, this Son of Man uh, reference is a Son of Man reference to the Son of God uh, um, that would have a kingdom. So, um, the title was used in the Old, Te Old Testament in two different ways. First, the Son of Man refers to a mere human being. Um, God refers to Ezekiel to, as Son of Man 90 times when we were studying Ezekiel. And then second, the Son of Man here in Daniel, it's a person, a divine being in heaven who's with the Ancient of Days, who's with God himself. So in the New Testament, when people heard Jesus call himself the Son of Man, they had to decide, was he the Son of Man as a human? Or they had to decide if he was referring to himself as the Son of Man that Daniel's dream here that we're looking at referred to because this dream refers to the son of man he's getting ready to be able to be presented before god and he's going to take over the rule of this god's kingdom okay so technically he was both okay he was the son of man he was born a human but also he was born the son of god so the son of man in daniel's dream is also applies to jesus okay so, and at the end of Jesus' ministry, he claimed to be the Son of Man, the heavenly Son of Man, okay? And that's when his opponents say he committed blasphemy. That was in Matthew chapter 8, verses 20, and uh, Matthew chapter 24, 30, and Matthew chapter 26, 64. So, again, this is this um, reference to Jesus Christ being the Son of Man in the heavenly interpretation, and this is one of the areas that Jesus was referring to himself as the Son of Man when he was doing his earthly ministry. So, we're going to have to stop here and continue with Daniel's dream, and then next time, I believe we're going to get into the interpretation of Daniel's dream, which is going to be, I'm just, I just can't wait till we get there. So, from me to all of you, God bless you. Uh, I hope you're enjoying this book of Daniel as much as um, <clears throat> Matali and I are. And uh, we'll see you next time. So for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And we'll see you next time. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. And take it away. Let's hear your take on this awesome book. 
Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Daniel chapter 7, beginning at verse 7 all the way to verse 13. So, <clears throat> here in um, this particular chapter, we saw the fourth beast that Daniel saw in his dream after the vision um, of the other beasts. So, <clears throat> verse 7 of Daniel chapter 7 reads... After this, I saw the night vision and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge, whore, huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking into pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it and it had, been, it had ten horns. <clears throat> so here, the interpretation of this particular vision is in verse 19. So, you know, we will wait until we actually reach verse 19 to get into this interpretation that is actually guided by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so we'll get into all the details. So more attention here, if you notice, is given to the fourth beast than to the other three beasts, uh, the visions of the beasts put together. So, um, you know, there's a lot of <clears throat> information and explanation about this fourth beast. So this section relates to where we are at today so like we are in this um you know we're in we're in this uh, particular time of the fourth beast that's the kingdom that the the like the fourth beast that um <clears throat> daniel saw in his vision um and nebuchadnezzar saw in his vision that's the the iron and um and you know mixed with clay so that's where we are today so we are living in a time of the fourth beast where the toes and horns are beginning to actually manifest in themselves. <clears throat> and we can actually see that with, you know, everything that's going on in the world today. So this beast, that's re it represents the, the Roman Empire. It represents Rome and is characterized by strength, you know. <clears throat> and um, it's, um, you know... It's incited terror and dread, and it was different from the first three beasts. Um, so it had iron teeth, so which actually identify with uh, the legs of iron in the first dream of Nebuchadnezzar in that multi-metallic vision that he had. So the iron heel of Rome <coughs> was on the neck of this world for you know one millennium, and it just fell apart. So it was, it, it was never defeated. Uh, the Roman Empire, it just fell apart because, you know, there was so much um, corruption and, um, you know, so much rottenness and drunkenness and it just fell apart. But the influence of Rome still lives on and we can actually see this, you know, if we go to Italy, um, Spain, um, Germany, you know, all these countries um, in, in Europe, you can actually see that. You know, Dr. J.B. Miggy pointed out, like, you know, he has a friend of his who um, <clears throat> stays in Switzerland and... Um, these young um, generation, they don't want to be called like Swiss, Italian and all. They want to be called uh, Europeans. And, you know, we can actually see this manifesting. The fourth beast, it's actually manifesting. You know, you have all these, um, you know, um, economic concessions that are coming together, like the European Union. They want to form one economic government. They want to, you know, <clears throat> it's slowly coming together. And this is the time we're living in. We're living in the time of the fourth beast. So the fourth beast had ten horns which corresponds to the feet of the image of the ten toes, that multi-metallic image that Nebuchadnezzar had. So um, the emphasis is not on, you know, the origin of this particular empire, but it's on the end time, the period of the end times. so the end times of the Gentiles. So this, um, you know, 
it's been made important today because it's not yet fulfilled this is why like there's so much um you know um information on the fourth beast compared to the three other beasts put together because the other um images and um, visions were actually fulfilled so we're living in the same period towards the end time so the visions of uh, the four beasts the, actually the three yeah the four beasts have actually been fulfilled because um you know rome came and you know it just fell apart there was a time when the roman empire you know um augustus caesar was actually reigning and um you know that iron the iron heel of rome was actually felt for a millennium you know um like um on earth and it just fell apart so the four beasts have been fulfilled and it remains for the future um you know the time of the ten horns you know from that um part of the multimetallic image of the iron and the clay so uh, it remains for the you know the t the ten horns and the ten horns actually the the ten toes ten horns they do not represent a fifth kingdom they just came out of the fourth beast but you know they grow out of the head of the fourth beast and um are the last development of the fourth beast so in the multi-metallic um, image of nebuchadnezzar the toes you know are iron toes and you know they're mixed with clay so the iron that's you know rome rome is still standing rome is still there you know the influence of rome can actually be felt and the clay that's the weakness that there is today and today we see this type of weakness and you know this type of weakness in as much as you know a lot of people may not agree you know the weakness in democracy you know where everyone has a say um because you know if you, you find politicians you know they have to appeal to different types of groups at the end of the day you know they'll appeal to this type of group this type of group this type of group and you know the the attention becomes divided and um you know the iron is the rule of autocracy you know that rule that the roman empire actually had um and we have the clay and that's the mob the mob of the democracy so you know politicians today like i said you know they're trying to appeal to all types of people and you know at the end of the day you know their appeal it gets weakened and they can't appeal to every type of people so if we look at god's ideal type of government it is never a democracy it is an absolute autocracy so if you're not comfortable with it move out of the way because God is a creator. He is going to rule with absolute autocracy. So when Christ comes to rule, he will rule the way he wants to rule. He's not going to ask for yours and my opinion. Uh, because at the end of the day, if you look at it today, the democracy that we have, the freedom, like thank God for liberties and freedom. But at the end of the day, this freedom that we have, has it done us any good? No. So he's going to run things the way he wants to run them. And um, it's not how we want him to run it he it's he's going to run it how he wants to run it and um he will rule the way he wants to rule and you know as christians we should conform to christ like um you know we should be we should relate to christ now more uh, because you know if we are in rebellion he will put out his kingdom because christ is righteous christ is um just and he will um rule in just injustice and in righteousness so rome fell apart because of you know internal corruption and drunkenness and if you you know if we just notice all these empires went down because of drunkenness and today liquor is you know a problem it's not even drugs marijuana or anything like that liquor is a problem and you know um if you look at our politicians today our you know our government ministers today you know 
liquor is the number one problem in uh, most of the countries. Liquor is the number one problem in my country right now. You know, the youths, you know, they just run amok. And, you know, liquor causes a lot of problems. It breaks homes and, you know, it just destroys people's lives and people's futures, which is um, like a very big problem. So now, you know, the Roman Empire, Rome, it will be back and it will be put together again. It is slowly being put together again. We can see, like, you know, from Europe, you know, the European Union, you know, everything is now slowly being put together so that, you know, they can have, you know, free economic trade and, you know, all these things. They want to form, like, you know, one big, um, you know, economic center, one big political center. And, you know, you have all these, you know, European unions and, you know, other unions coming together. So, you know, now here... <clears throat> There is, um, if we read on, in verse 8, um, I was, it reads, I was considering the horns and there was another horn, a little one coming up amongst them before whom the three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. So here, another little horn coming up. And this is the key to, you know, the entire situation that we're talking about here. This little horn will take over. So <clears throat> let me just uh, finish off reading verse eight. It says, um, "Or there, um, oh, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words." So this little horn is coming up from this fourth beast, um, and it's you know it's just going to cause a lot of um, disturbance and destruction and blaspheming against God. You know, a lot of pomp, or pomp and pompous words are coming out from it. And then verse 9 goes on to read, <clears throat> I watched till thrones oh, I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was as white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. So here now um, Daniel has the vision of the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. So um you know, he, he's, he, he's um, cast down. So here it says, I watched till the thrones were put in place. So were cast down. So here the scene shifts to heaven where God's throne is revealed. So this is like now the, 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 the third vision. Um, so now the throne is actually revealed. So the scene is actually also described. If we go to Revelations chapter 4. <clears throat> Verse 5, which reads, um, And from the throne proceeded lightings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So here, now, um, you know, it's... So now this scene is the preparation for the judgment of the Great Tribulation and the second coming of Christ on earth. So it corresponds with Revelations 4, verse 4, which reads... Um, around the throne were 24 thrones and on the throne I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads. So here now, <clears throat> you know, um, John gives, you know, the number of elders, you know, he gives other details um, of this scene of heaven. But Daniel is not actually concerned with the details because he is not speaking of the church um, and its future. Um, Daniel is just giving the scene of heaven and the preparation for the judgment of the great tribulation. So now we have the terms ancient of days, which means eternal God, because here it says, and the ancient of days was seated. So that's the eternal God. And then now there's the garments that are described, garments white as snow. It refers to um, attributes of holiness and righteousness of God. And God is holy, righteous, and just. And then um, hair 
is like uh, you know pure as wool so it speaks of the infinite wisdom and eternity um, you know the infinite wisdom of Christ and um, his eternity and the throne was fiery flame so it speaks of judgment and um, the wheels um, you know wields a burning fire it speaks of the restless power and energy of God God's energy is constantly moving and moving his judgment is constantly moving it speaks of you know the energy of God and we saw this in Ezekiel when he had that vision you know wheels upon wheels upon wheels so verse 10 goes on to read a fiery steam stream sorry a fiery stream issued and came forth and before him a thousand thousands ministered to him ten thousand times 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. So here, you know, this is not talking about the great white throne judgment, which actually occurs after the millennial rule of Christ. It's the setting of the judgment that's being talked about, the setting of the judgment of the great tribulation. And, you know, the return of Christ to establish his millennial kingdom here on earth, which we actually find in Revelations chapter 5. So now verse 11 goes on to talk about, um, it reads, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words, which the horn was speaking, I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. So here now God is setting the judgment scene in heaven. So this scene is already set. This is what's going to happen. He's setting the judgment scene in heaven to determine who will enter the kingdoms on earth and you know that little horn is you know blaspheming and speaking the loudest and talking a lot of smack and all but his judgment is coming and his kingdom is actually doomed so this will be cut off and that's you know the the roman empire is finally going to be slain and cut off and you know the blasphemers and uh you know will be judged and um <clears throat> you know the fourth kingdom is actually emphasized on in this particular chapter it's like they talk more about the fourth um kingdom than um than you know the three first kingdoms that and and that that prophecy was actually fulfilled and it's actually represented the fourth kingdom is represented by this last uh, beast so the appearance of that horn is um shortly before christ actually comes so um, you know, we don't know when Christ is coming, maybe today, tomorrow, next month, you know, you know, many, many years from now, you know, when I'm not alive anymore, like our generation is not alive anymore. We don't know when Christ is coming, but the appearance of this little horn is shortly before actually Christ comes in his millennial to, to, to actually rule in his millennial rule. And, you know, the judgment scene has been set and judgment is actually going to be on individuals and nations as a whole. So verse 12 goes on to read as for the rest of the beasts. They had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So here, the first three beasts were destroyed, but their ideology and philosophies of these kingdoms lives on. And it actually is going to be manifested in the Great Tribulation period. So, you know, we have these philosophies of, you know, Greco-Macedonia and Babylon and um, Media Persia. You know, they still live on. And they're going to be manifest, made manifest in um, the Great Tribulation period. Verse 13 goes on to read, I was watching in the night visions and behold one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. So, you know, this is the Son of God, Jesus Christ and, um, you know, who will reign um, for an eternity here on earth and um, you know he said this uh, in the book of Mark 14 verse um, verse 61 
uh, where he was actually asked. So Mark 14 verse 61, he says, but he kept silent and swear and uh, sweared nothing again. The high priest asked him saying to him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? Jesus said, I am and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And this is the scene that's actually described in the book of Mark. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. It was a great teaching. Immensely enjoyed it. Thank you all. Have a blessed day. God bless and bye-bye.